Hello, and welcome to this episode of Not Just Ghost Stories. I'm your host, Josh, joined by Jackie and Laura. We are a small team of experienced paranormal investigators, and here we discuss different locations that we've investigated, along with a little history and the evidence that we found. Today, we'll be discussing history and evidence about a private investigation that we did in Newport, Kentucky called Fantasy and Frosting. The investigation was set up by a friend's group called Searching the Mist. Jackie, do you have any history to go over about with the building? I do. Fantasy and Frosting was a bakery and a supply store. It was owned by DNN Holding and ran as a bakery under that ownership for 30 years. When the owners retired, they sold the store to an employee, and within a year, the business had failed. Searching the Mist had received permission from the owner to conduct a ghost investigation and was kind enough to invite us along. The store was pretty much empty as the owners were getting it ready to be put on the market uh, for sale. The store encompassed the street level where the store was and the basement where the baking took place. The building was built in 1954 and was a shoe store and then a furniture store before becoming Fantasy and Frosting. In the town of Newport in 1919, Prohibition brought in the Mafia and Newport was considered Las Vegas before Vegas was built. In 1937, a flood of the Ohio River covered most of the city. Along with the Mafia, of course, came the speakeasies, the gambling dens, and the adult movie theaters. Between the years 1940 and 1980, peep shows and strip clubs had replaced the speakeasies and casinos. In the 80s and 90s, the local people and government decided to clean up the city to bring in family-orientated tourism. In 1981, at a garage at 938 John Street, which was about a block and a half away from fantasy or away from the building, they were making and selling illegal fireworks. It exploded, uh, causing severe damage within a six-block radius. Two people died and 24 people were injured. A hundred people had to be removed from their homes, and windows were shattered in at least a hundred buildings. The garage was leveled. The workers at Fantasy and Frosting had experienced feelings of being watched in the basement and had seen some shadow movement. The building has currently been sold and is now the home of Harris Media Company. All right. Thank you for that uh, little bit of history and uh, about the building. Uh, the cool thing about this one was, well, one, we didn't have to pay for it, but two, we were invited by this group just to kind of go over everything. My first initial walking into the building was like, hey, this is pretty cool. You can kind of actually feel some of the history around you uh, with how everything was was built. Uh, what did you say, Jackie? Oh, yeah. Right as we were standing out in front, uh, the roof had a little bit of an overhang. So you're like in a little like patio type thing. And it was inlaid tile. And I believe the tile had the name of the shoe store or something um, worked into it. Or, yeah, there's still like a, a stage when you go in there that they set up like, you know, window displays. So the, the character of the building is definitely still there from when it was, you know, the shoe store and, and various things in the past. Yeah. Now, as I can remember walking through the building, just kind of going through things, there's a little room that was off to the side. Uh, it was just completely surrounded in mirrors uh, along with some shelving below. Uh, Jackie, you said that's where they used to have people sit down and design cakes, right? Right. If you uh, wanted a wedding cake, you'd be in the back room and kind of 
working out a design with them. Yeah. I remember walking into that room going, something's different here um, as we started going through things. Um, but of course, you know, we wanted to walk around and do, you know, just kind of check out the place. You can see where they had like a smaller type of kitchen area upstairs um, to do some stuff. Um, of course, like a little, you know, break room and stuff there. And then as you went downstairs, it was just kind of larger open. You can tell they did a lot of storage stuff down there. Uh, if I can remember correctly, it was more of a rock and, uh, cement style walls all the way around everything. Yeah. They also had the oven, the big oven downstairs. The big oven. Yep. You know, I, the place itself, you know, like I said, you could just feel the history as you were walking through and going, this is, you know, pretty cool. What were your first initial reactions as far as energy running through the building? It's funny. You were drawn to that upstairs room. I was drawn to, there was two sets of stairs, one at the front of the building, one at the back of the building. The front of the building stairs kind of went into a little cove and there was what looked like should have been a passageway or something should have been there, but I believe it had been bricked up and then you turned and went down the stairs and that area right there was what drew me. I just felt there was a lot of, I don't know, a lot of secrets there, a lot of things that needed to be discovered there. Yeah. What about your feel, Laura, of just kind of energy through the building? Um, for our initial walkthrough, because you know, when you're doing those older buildings, we were doing baselines with a K2 just because the wiring can be a little a little messed up when you're talking that old. But the energy is definitely different in the room with the mirrors. But I was initially drawn to the basement where the where all those shelves are where they used to store the shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, down there is a I think where something definitely resides. Yeah. And later on in the evening, we we were down there. I forgot exactly why, but we all ended up down there, and there was a bunch of shadow activity. And I believe we didn't catch anything on our recorders, but audibly, several of us heard uh, different uh, noises, or if it was words, I couldn't quite make them out. Yeah. Well, as far as, you know, the the audible stuff, I can remember hearing a lot of things, especially down in that basement. Um, You know, you just hear something like what, you know, kind of what was that? We couldn't catch anything on recorders. There was HVAC equipment down there that was running um, along with like an exhaust fan. I think it was that was running off to the side, too. So it it was kind of muddled off of our um, you couldn't really get any EVPs. It was just too muddled on that uh, from all the wind and the noise and everything else. The basement was a really, really interesting place as you walk through it, uh, just getting those feels. The K2 hits down there. We tried to track it to maybe some electrical stuff, and there was some really higher fields coming off of the electrical lines, but there were some that just didn't make any sense. Uh, you're standing in the middle of a room. You have absolutely nothing around you, and you're getting these hits. Uh, going all the way up to the red dot on the K2, which you're kind of like, well, that's a lot. It's almost like it's holding it. And it would sit there for a second and drop back down. You could almost follow it through the room, and, um, which was pretty cool as far as that goes. Um, what else do you remember about the basement area? It also had on the street level, again, it had a little like inlet as if there was something. I often thought, I wonder if there was an an elevator that used to be there that would come up to the sidewalk to bring in furniture and stuff. 
there wasn't any sign of it at that time, but... Yeah. It could have been, too. There were so many tunnels that ran underneath Newport. Yes. You could have had anything that ran through I mean, there, which... No map for those. Not fully yeah. intact. I, don't I mean, some of those tunnels in Newport of. are still there, and people do, you know, they have different tours that run through those to show everything about what possibly could have happened. They don't know exact history as far as those, but it could have been connected to that building. It was very close to downtown. It was right on the main street. Um, so it was possible that there could have been something running off of there too. Yeah, and as uh, you get into the history of Newport, it has several different phases of history. One of them, of course, was the mafia and prohibition. So tunnels to move the alcohol would have been highly likely. And also it was on the um, uh, on the way for slaves to get the freedom. They crossed that Ohio River. They were in a uh, non-slave state and stuff. So there could have been tunnels connected with the uh, Underground Railroad also. Oh, yeah, definitely. I do know there's a spot there that that is uh, known to be part of the Underground Railroad, correct? Yeah, it's thought to be like a holding spot while they waited for the best time to cross the actual river. Yeah. So, you know, just thinking of that history as you're walking through the building is is a really cool thing. But I kind of want to get back upstairs to that room. This is kind of one of the reasons why we're talking about it now. There, There was a portal running through that room. There were two portals. Yeah. One was an in and one was an out. And I can remember we decided to do an experiment in that room. Uh, we're going to stare into the mirrors. We're almost going to kind of scry uh, in the portal. I do remember this. Um, up until a certain point when I don't remember anything again, <laughs> kind of the same thing that happened at Ross Opera House. The next thing I know, I wake up and I don't have my shoes on and I'm in another room. <laughs> You should probably first start as I don't think we gave you a choice It's like you're going to go in that room and stare in the mirror And we're going to time you So don't worry we'll bring you out when we can Yeah Um, And I remember sitting Staring at the mirror And then things just went black Uh, The the amount of energy That ran through uh, Where I was at Was just Uh I, I really don't know how to, to put it, but it was just kind of ridiculous to me. It was like being in a hurricane trying to walk into the wind. Exactly. And um, it was it was a different experience with a, with a portal that I've had at that, until that point overall. And I really think, you know, like I said, I, I'd lost time. I lost really almost consciousness, but you guys said I never really went to – sleep or anything i just don't remember anything until we had to actually be grounded yeah which is why we should probably we weren't stealing your shoes but (laughs) no we we were getting him grounded uh getting parts of his body to touch the floor and stuff to kind of bring him back to earth yeah now laura you were in that situation also when we had to ground you also do you remember anything about that um yeah for me my heart rate increased pretty exponentially and I just felt very nauseous. Um, I did experience the, what I would imagine the hurricane feels like, like you're standing in the middle of it and it's like air's just going in a complete circle around you. And I don't, I guess that may be attested to the in and out type of portal. Um, 
And it seemed very black in there, just like it was a dark portal. Engulfing mm-hmm. darkness. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I was just about to ask, Jackie. What do you think of the portal? It was a dark portal. Yeah. I do remember that. It was that's very not to dark. say it was evil. That's not to say it went to a bad place. What we're saying is it was black. It was like it nobody was, turned on the lights. Yeah, it was dark. Yeah. You could you could feel the energy rushing one way or another, whichever way you were standing at at that point. But I do remember it was just nothing but black. Even as I was, you know, staring at that mirror, it was black. There was nothing there that I could see overall. You know, we've talked about in the past, you know, at Ross Opera House, you saw the goats. You saw a field of goats. Um, another one that I've seen, you know, you've seen different things. This one was just black there was nothing there now saying that i i must say that as the only person who could stare into the mirror and remember it i did (laughs) stare into that mirror and the reflection i saw was not mine and it was coming towards me it never came out of the mirror or anything i don't think i ever backed up or stopped uh, because i'm a ghost hunter i'm not intelligent so (laughs) We but don't do was, this because we're smart. Yeah. <laughs> but there was, it was like, it was like looking at your reflection, but it wasn't me. And it was coming towards me. Yeah. Like I said, for me, I can remember the feeling I can remember seeing. And then once that blackness really kind of hit me, I don't remember anything. And that's really kind of what it was. It was almost like I could see it in a distance, and then all of a sudden, right there, it's in right in my face. And then there was nothing until, like I said, waking up in the other room with no shoes on and holding uh, a couple of uh, gems in order to try to ground myself down yeah. and try to get things, you know, under control. It was it was a very weird experience uh, when you're kind of waking up, looking around, going, "What just happened? What? Where's my shoes?" so i do remember that one very well at the end of it and then everybody else kind of standing around going are you okay (laughs) so so when you say jackie that the face was coming at you but it wasn't your own was it similar to your own like were you seeing yourself on in a different place or no no it totally totally different and i got the impression it was a guide like Step on through here, and I'll show you where I'm going, where you should go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Right. Good idea not to do that. I, well, I. Okay. We'll she go won- with the, she, Okay. Yeah. You did do it. <laughs> she wanted. I'm not to. surprised. No. I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> See, she what she's saying is she wanted to, but she yes. probably couldn't to at that point. So I probably shouldn't. She's a very brave paranormal investigator. No, we just went through that. We're investigators, but we're not smart. So <laughs> I didn't say you were smart. I said you were brave. <laughs> I didn't know there was a difference. I guess there is. <laughs> All right. With with that being said, as far as inside of that room, we didn't really investigate too much more in there because, well, for me, I was kind of very hesitant to walk back into that room. I wanted to, but at the same time, I wanted to remember experiences. So it was kind of, I would stay at the door. I can remember sitting at the, the kind of doorway that was there and just trying to feel what was going on. Uh, and for me, I was able to do that. It was very hard to do with, with my head was kind of throbbing. You could hear the energy for me. Um, you could feel it down in my chest too. Uh, and from that point I decided, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go downstairs. <laughs> That's where a lot of stuff was. We were getting, you know, shadows downstairs, 
Um, where they derive from the portal, who can say? Nobody knows. But I really think it was more the history is where the shadows were coming from. Yeah, and also we found that investigating in the room where the portal is or around the portal when the portal's open, it's kind of a moot point. If something's coming through the portal, it comes through, and then as a portal dies down, then you're more aware of the activity. Yeah. But as the portal's mm-hmm. opening, like as the door opens, everybody's just waiting to see what's coming through it. So there really wasn't uh, any reason to be in that room unless you were working with a portal. Yeah. Like I said, I can remember standing at that point after I was grounded, I was kind of brought back to, was like, okay, what happened? Everybody kind of explained to me what was going on. I can just remember standing at the edge of the door and thinking, this is crazy. Uh, nobody's ever known it was really there until we finally were able to come in and investigate. But it also makes sense why the people who used to work there had these odd, weird feelings all the time. Because I remember they said that they would have some issues sometimes where things just weren't right. So it kind of made some sense, started to make some sense to us. Um, but like I said, once I started going down to the basement, that's when you started to get a lot of different things happening down there. Uh, do we know exactly what it was? Do, could you say exactly what it was? I think it was human. I think it was history. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would, I would say it's some of the people that probably, you know, did the furniture store for say. I mean, they, they essentially were there for many years. I'm sure a large part of their life was tied to that building. Um, I, but with finding the portal and spending time in there, that, that comes the focus of the ghost hunt in a lot of cases and a lot of the other places get left aside because we may be only reviewing, you know, 15 minutes of, of the experience, but it takes time to prepare to approach that. And it takes even more time to recover from that. So part of your ghost hunt is getting yourself back together. Yeah. We were there for many hours just trying to figure different things out not only with the portal but with the basement downstairs the the shadows were very intriguing because it was i don't know if you would even call it residual because it seemed like it knew we were there but it just didn't care yeah um but it's like i'm gonna go along with what i was doing you know and that's about it i do feel that there's a lot of residual going on in that building as well when i was sitting on that raised platform in front of the you know, the store window, I guess you would say I was setting with the crystal ball and you just kind of saw just like, you know, cars parked on the street from times past, just people walking by. It wasn't anything violent. It wasn't anything traumatic. It was just random day to day is, is what I saw. Yeah. I got the impression there was a, a small child too, that worked there, a little boy <clears throat> down in the basement and stuff. I don't think he ever came up into the store he might have been moving furniture or whatever, but uh, didn't really. I don't think we ever got anything from him, just some shadow movement and just the impression that there's a younger energy there. All right. Anything else now? Um, actually, yeah. What kind of equipment would you say would work best inside this place? Well, we used the K2 quite a bit. And uh, the cameras, I don't believe we caught anything on the cameras we didn't set up a lot of them but uh the ones that we did set up i really didn't catch anything on them 
I do remember using a pendulum and it didn't really work all that well. Um, it almost just seemed again, like things were going about their day-to-day business and didn't really want to care about what we were doing. They just kind of wanted us out of their way at points. I did feel that. Now, I did have, because I'd gotten a new toy, because ghost hunters love their toys, a radiation detector. So I took that sucker all around, and actually, it never really reads zero. There's always radiation, no matter what we're doing. It's not a lot of radiation. It's not radiation you have to worry about and stuff, but it was, I didn't know that till I got a radiation detector. <laughs> <laughs> Or do you have a piece of equipment that you think would work well inside? The K2, it was very reactive, um, kind of like what Jackie said. But for me, that was the the first ghost hunt where I'd seen anyone use an ovulus. Um, that's the good thing about pairing up with another team of investigators. They usually have specialized equipment that is often different than yours. So you get to use equipment that you don't normally have access to. Um, plus, you know, their techniques and their separate experiences. Um, so for me, I, I think maybe having a second team was probably the best best thing there that time around. That is a very good point. Sometimes you just need that little bit of outside to kind of help you boost your investigation or try to figure something else out. Well, plus with the portal work that we'd been doing, the three of us were pretty engrossed in it. So it was nice to have a separate set of people that were kind of just well, trying to figure out what we were doing, I guess, to say, to, to give us some feedback and things that they observed from the outside looking in. Yeah. I can remember them going, what happened to you? And me going, I don't know. <laughs> so, you should try it. You should try it. And Actually, they, of, they did go in the portal. Yeah. And uh, they did not seem to be as affected as you two are. Yeah, that's true. Well, when it comes down to us, we're we're a different breed of, of investigators at points. <laughs> we're we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> For now. All right. Well, uh, anything else to say about the building? Um, I just want to, we've uh, done this series on portals and stuff, and we're not done. We do have one more at the moment, one more uh, place to do with the portals. But I've been doing this a long time. And as a brand new person, yeah, I would have stayed away from portals. They can be, well, we don't know enough about them to know if they're dangerous or not. So I know you guys are listening and you're thinking, what's cool? I'm going to go find me a portal. Just kind of use caution when you do. Yeah. I I would say portals are dangerous. You need to have people around you too that you trust to know when you're in trouble. Because when you're dealing with a portal, from my experience, the times that I've been in trouble, I didn't know that I was, you know, in a compromising situation. You don't, you don't see that. So you need people that know you well enough to know yeah. more about you than you know at that time, if that makes some sense. And that's true of all ghost hunting. You see on these shows that they put one person in there by themselves. I don't believe in that. There are times when you may want to go into a room by yourself or whatever. But the thing is, whatever you experience in that room, you have your equipment. But if your equipment does not pick it up, you have no validation for what happened. And I'm not saying that your teammates aren't going to believe you, but what I'm saying is to find proof that we can take to the layman and go, look, this is, this is what happened. We're going to need some hard evidence and stuff. 
Yeah. So I mean, ghost hunting by yourself is to me is never a good idea. Yeah, a lot of people don't believe anything unless they actually have it right there in front of them. Um, and you can even take them to some place, and they're they're going to either, you know, without that actual hard proof, they're going to be like, oh, nothing happened, and walk away. When it comes down to this, we look at the scientific sides, um, and we try to be as scientific about it as possible. That's why we call them experiments. You know, I can tell you my feelings about it, but what other kind of stuff do we have in there? We had the K2 hits that was inside that portal, and things were kind of going crazy when all that other stuff was happening. Um, did we catch anything on video? No, not really. But did we catch anything on EVP? Well, we couldn't. There was too much outside noise happening. We did have cars driving by when we were up on the the first floor down in the basement. We had, you know. People walking by. Yeah, people walking by. We had mechanics, you know, happening downstairs as far as with the HVAC system and the exhaust system and anything else that was happening down there. So when it comes to this specific one, we don't have a lot that we can actually give you to show you. We can only tell you what we felt, what we know, and kind of other stuff that happened when it came down to, you know, K2 hits and everything else like that, right? Right. All right. Yeah, too loud for audible evidence. Yeah, much too loud. Environmentally. Yeah, and as you get into, you know, ghost hunting, you start to understand, you know, we, you know we've done a few places that, you know, all of a sudden a train is going by and that whole entire session is pretty much gone. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So when it comes down to all of that, you have to kind of think about the outside stuff along with the stuff that's actually happening around you. Which is one of the reasons why we use multiple equipment. Exactly. Because you never know what's going to work the best at the place and you never know when you're going to need backups to your backups to your backups. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about Gaines Tavern, right? Gaines Tavern was one of those places. You get a train that comes by. They come by, on average, about every 30 minutes. You know, uh, sometimes a little bit longer, sometimes a little bit shorter, but you're getting trains. You you have traffic that is going by. So if you're trying to do outside, you're not hearing anything on EVP. But at one point, you had an EVP of a whistle, and I was right there next to you and had nothing. But Laura, who was also right there, had it on hers. <laughs> You know, so it's kind of one of those things. You you got to try to take in effect everything that's happening in the environment. Right. Yeah. Some things just can't be explained, though. So true. All right. And with that, this has been Not Just Ghost Stories. We have been your hosts, Josh, Laura, and Jackie. And until next time, you can find pictures and findings and contact us about today's episode on all social media platforms at Not Just Ghost Stories. Thanks.